4. Therefore, my beloved brethren, be ye steadfast, unmovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord. For as much as ye know that your labor is not in vain in the Lord. Let's pray together. Lord, I do thank you for this time that you've given us. I pray that you'd speak to hearts now once again, Father. And Lord, that you'd do in us that which we are unable to do for ourselves. God, I pray that in all things Christ would gain the glory. And Father, that we'd draw closer to you. We love you tonight, Lord. We ask all these things in Christ's name. Amen. Now, as we read in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, the very last verse, in fact, the whole chapter is uh, quite familiar. But uh, in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, the entire chapter is quite familiar to us. But especially verse number 58 just seems to hold a precious place in most of our hearts. And certainly after a week at camp, I'll say that it's been on my mind a time or two about our labor in the Lord. It's very fitting that Paul should end the 15th chapter of the book of 1 Corinthians, uh, that he, there should be a break in thought here, and we know that there is a break in thought, uh, because the beginning of verse number of 1 of chapter 16 says, Now concerning the collection for the saints. Now, he's not been talking about tithing at all, and there's a break in thought at the end of verse number uh, 58. But as we look at this verse, we're struck by the, uh, the theme of it, which is our service in the Lord. In fact, as you read that verse, it's hard not to notice it. He talks about being steadfast. Uh, now, he's not talking about steadfast in your salvation because your salvation is not dependent on you being steadfast in it. See, when you got born again, you got placed in the family of God and uh, placed in the hand of God. And the Bible says, no man shall pluck them out of my Father's hand. So uh, while certainly we ought to hold fast to the profession that we've made, I don't think he's talking about our salvation. There again, he says, unmovable. Uh, I'm thankful it's not up to me to make sure I'm unmovable in my salvation. That's settled in heaven. The Bible says that we are placed in Christ. Well, who is Christ? The Bible says He is that rock. Amen? We're placed in Him. That's what it means to be justified, is to be placed in Him so that we are robed in His righteousness, that our sinfulness was buried in an empty tomb, and that we were raised to walk in newness of life when we put our faith in Jesus Christ. We've been placed in Him. It's not up to me to make sure I'm unmovable about my salvation. I'm placed in Him. And of course, he talks about the work of the Lord in the next verse. Always abounding in the work of the Lord. Uh, And then he uses this term at the end of the verse. He says, your labor is not in vain in the Lord. So, uh, Paul in this verse is talking about serving God and living for the Lord. This verse was brought to my mind. I always pray about what I need to preach on in this Sunday night camp service because there's a lot of different ways you can look at this service, you know. Uh, we could look at it as an opportunity to preach to the parents. Certainly it is. Uh, we, uh, we tricked you. Amen. You're here. <laughs> Certainly it is a way to preach to the parents or to the guardians and the family members. Uh, but, you know, here's the truth. Uh, as we've ministered to the kids this week, as you really begin to think about the time that we've had, I preached to these young people five different times. And uh, other men preached another five times to them. They had a Bible class each day, so that's another five times. And uh, they had morning devotions, that's another five times. And evening devotions, that's another five times. So uh, we got about, oh, 20, 30 uh, good uh, opportunities. You may have been doing math when I said that. You can correct me later uh, at how many that is. I thought I've got one more opportunity to preach to these young people. And I, I hope that you, you young people that are here, I hope that it's not my last opportunity uh, for 358 days. But I know that I've got an opportunity to preach to you. And I want to preach for a few minutes on sticking in for the Lord. 
You know, you hear people talk about camping. One of the one of the negative things, derogatory things they say about camp is they say about the young people, oh, that'll never stick. That'll never stick. Let me tell you something. I'd be careful talking that way. I'd be careful talking that way. Uh, but let me say this to young people as well. There's a reason they say that. There's a reason. They've seen it. They've seen it time and time again. And uh, that's why they say that. Now, it, a lot of times it wasn't these young people that are here in particular that set forth that pattern. Uh, but nonetheless, you have a choice to make now. In preaching to them one night, we, you know, we spent a lot of time talking about time. And uh, anything you've got an abundance of or you think you've got an abundance of, you don't appreciate. Amen? Uh, a lot of you in this room, if I said, can I borrow a dollar, you'd reach into your wallet and you'd pull one out and say, yeah, preacher, no problem, you'd give it to me. But if your bank account was flat broke, if you didn't have a penny in your name and I asked for that very last dollar, you'd get awful defensive over it, amen? And uh, we're like that with anything, and time is that way. And young people, uh, by virtue of being young, feel like they have a lot of time. And I was preaching to them this week, and one of the things that the Lord has brought to my mind over and over again is here we are, 372 days from the beginning of camp last year, and 358 days away from the beginning of camp next year. There's a lot of young people that went to camp uh, last year and said they was going to live for God, do things for God, stick in for the Lord. And that year of time that they didn't serve the Lord, that's gone. And it can't be gotten back. But, you know, we can say that about a lot of adults, too. A lot of adults that have made promises to God. Now, I, I mean, it's real this time, preacher. I'm going to live for the Lord. I'm going to stay faithful to God's house. I'm going to read my Bible. I'm going to pray. I'm really going to do something for God. And here we are again. You see, the truth of the matter is, time is a precious commodity. Once it's spent, it's spent. You know, Moses said this, we spend our days as a tale that is told. Uh, spend it like you spend a dollar. Once you spend it, it's gone. It's over, like a tale that's told. Once you've told it, it's told. It's over. It's gone. I believe with this in mind, Paul exhorts us to redeem the time, seeing the days are evil. How can we stick in for the Lord Jesus Christ over the next year? How can we ensure that next year, if we go to camp, this is for campers, this is for workers, this is for any and everybody, how can we ensure that a year from now we're not just fighting the same old battles we've always fought, but we're gaining new ground for the Lord? I believe Paul gives us a few truths here that will help us to do that. Well, first off, I want you to notice the reason for our service. Now, uh, there's not a lot in this verse about the reason. In fact, you won't really see. I mean, he talks about how that our labor is not in vain in the Lord and so on and so forth. But, but there's not a whole lot about the reason for why we're serving the Lord. But the verse begins this way. It says, therefore, therefore. Now, I'm not a smart man and I'm not an English major. But I do understand this, that any time a phrase begins with therefore, I ought to look behind it to find out what it's talking about. And so Paul sums up all of 1 Corinthians chapter 15 with verse number 58. It is the summary statement of the entire chapter. And now, we preached a little bit this morning on the first part of 1 Corinthians chapter 15. And can I say this, that 1 Corinthians chapter 15, if I could give a theme to it, it would be this, the reality of the Christian faith. You see, Paul sets forth, he begins with the gospel in the first few verses. And let me just put it this way. Let me say that redemption is a real thing. Those of you that got saved and born again up at camp, don't go home and let anybody tell you, well, you just got worked up. I've heard parents say that. You just got emotional, that's all that was. You see, the kind of people usually that say that, they need to get a little dose of what their kids got. 
up at church camp. Let me tell you something. The gospel, the power of the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ is real. And I give you, I could give you person after person that can testify to the real saving power of the gospel. We always tell the kids on Saturday when they begin to leave, you're going back into a world that was not at Big Ridge State Park this week. They weren't on this hillside. They didn't see what happened. They won't understand some of the things and changes that are in your life now. Many of them go back into a home that tells them that what they heard was nonsense. Many of them go back into a home that tells them, well, that's good, but you got baptized and consecrated when you were a little baby, so that's what matters. A lot of them go home and they face parents that say there's not even a God in heaven. Young people, don't let it shake you. Don't let it shake you. Because redemption's a real thing. If you got saved this past week, mark her down and remember it as the day you got born again. Because it's a real thing. It's a changing thing. Well, he talks about redemption. He talks about the gospel. And then he spends the next, uh, really the meat of the chapter, talking about the resurrection. He talks about if Christ be not risen, then ye are dead in your sins and your faith is vain. And, and that if Christ be not risen, there's no hope and we're of all men most miserable. And the truth that Paul is trying to convey is this. That redemption is real, but the resurrection of Jesus Christ is equally as real. It was a real event that took place. Now you say, why does that matter, preacher? Well, he talks about actually, and I'm not going to go through and spend a lot of time dealing with it, but he talks about those that were baptized in the stead of others. And what he means by saying that is this, that as some die, others are born again to take their place in the local body in the church. And uh, what uh, essentially he's talking about is how that those that have perished, uh, they've not been annihilated, as some would believe. Uh, They've not just been done away with. They're not to be forgotten. Uh, That they are, uh, the Bible word is sleeping, and that doesn't denote soul sleep, which is a false doctrine, some believe. But merely sleep is the Bible word for those that die in the Lord. And he's talking about the continuing of the work of the Lord. And that how one day those that have fell asleep in Christ, those that, that have died and went on to be with the Lord, are going to be raised up. And he gives them encouragement and hope in this truth that they'll see Him again. But also that the Lord is able to save those to go in their place. You see, uh, let me tell you something. Yeah, uh, the resurrection is, is the key doctrine of the entire Word of God even more so than the death of the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, the death of the Lord Jesus Christ is very important. I don't say it to minimize that, but it wasn't, it wasn't the death of Christ that they threw the apostles in prison over. It was the resurrection. And the resurrection of Jesus Christ gains a lot more controversy today than the death of Jesus Christ. Uh, open one of these new Bibles, and you'll find that it isn't the death that they're trying to cast uh, a, a shadow upon. It's the resurrection they're trying to cast a shadow upon. And it's always been a theological hot point and a place of debate. Why is that? Because the resurrection is where the power comes from. He was raised uh, by the power of the Father. The book of Ephesians tells us that he was raised up by the power of God. And if God has the power to raise him up, he has the power to raise us up. And not just in a physical sense. Now, it's very true that there's coming a day when we will be raised in a physical sense. But part of the power of God through the resurrection is the ability to raise us from a grave of trespasses and sins and make us a new person in Christ Jesus. And He's able to do that for me, and He's able to do that for you. And not only that, young people, but He's able to do that for your loved ones. Your loved ones. So He speaks the reality of the resurrection. And I'm not going to dwell on this, but He he speaks the reality of the return of Jesus Christ. And He talks about, in fact, if you've got Schofield Bible, it's even on the very same page. But uh, He says this in verse 51, Behold, I show you a mystery. 
We shall not all sleep, but we shall all be changed. In a moment, in the twinkling of an eye, at the last trump, for the trumpet shall sound, and the dead shall be raised incorruptible, and we shall be changed. It talks about how the return of Jesus Christ is a real thing. And young people, we live in a world that mocks and scoffs the return of the Lord Jesus Christ, and always has. Uh, but more so today than it ever has been. That, you know, that's, that's Bible prophecy being fulfilled. Uh, you know, there, there's what you might call uh, Bible prophecy con- concerning events that are going to take place. But then there's Bible prophecy just concerning the condition of things in the last days. One of those conditions is Peter said this, No, that in the last days scoffers shall come, saying, Where is the promise of His coming? And uh, there's a lot of people that say the return of Jesus Christ, that's just nonsense, that's just foolish. And you've got a lot of, a lot of, I'm trying to think of a kind word. You ought to be kind in the pulpit, right? Nut jobs out there trying to set dates and start movements and all that nonsense. But let me tell you something. Just because there's those out there that try to pollute Bible doctrine, that doesn't mean there's no Bible doctrine. And just because there's those out there that try to pollute what the Bible teaches about the return of the Lord Jesus Christ, that doesn't mean He's not returning. So, you, you know, if I could sum up what He's saying here, when He says, therefore, He's saying, because it's real. Because it's real, young people. Let me tell you something. If what you got this past week was real, then it'll be real ten months from now. It'll be real ten months from now. And the measure of it will be ter- determined by how you stick to it and what you do with this next year. It's real. And he says, therefore, my beloved brethren. Well, he talks about the reason for our service. But then notice, secondly, he talks about the resolve of our service. There are three phrases that he uses here, and I I like all of them. Amen. Uh, I like everything in this Bible. But he says this. He says, be ye steadfast. You know what it means to be steadfast, don't you? It means to not move. To not move. Now you say, wait a minute, preacher. He says in a moment to not be, uh, or to be unmovable. Well, that's true. But there's two reasons that something moves. It either moves because somebody moves it or it moves of its own accord. Let me say something directly to our young people. If you don't make a commitment to be faithful, don't worry about somebody else making you unfaithful. You yourself won't keep yourself faithful unless you make a commitment to be faithful. You've got to make up your mind to be steadfast if you're ever going to become unmovable. You know who your worst enemy is? It's that person that looks you in the mirror every single morning. Actually, we spend a lot of time blaming everybody. And I understand. I understand we can surround ourselves with ungodly influences. I understand that we can surround ourselves with those that hinder us. I understand we're to walk not in the way of the ungodly or sit in the seat of the scornful. I'm aware of that. But Paul said this. Paul taught us that his own enemy, worst enemy, was the person that looked him in the mirror every single day. He said, I find not in myself that which is right. And he said, in my flesh dwelleth no good thing. I'll tell you who you're going to have to fight the most over the next 358 days, and that's yourself. Yourself. Your, your, yourself is who you're going to have to fight more than anybody. Not just the young people. Hey, don't, don't just turn it off because it's camp service when we're preaching to young people. Over the next year, you're going to have to battle yourself more than anybody else. You want to be faithful? The first person you've got to get in line is you. That's the first person. You want to be faithful to your Bible? The first person you've got to get in line is you. Don't say, well, the kids go crazy, they swing from the rafters, and everything goes wrong, and work is tough sometimes. Hey, just stop with the excuses. It's you that you've got to get straightened out. It's you. So he says, be steadfast. But then number two, he does say unmovable. That tells me this, there's going to be some that are going to try to move us. Right? 
Some that are going to try to move us. And he says, you need to resolve in your mind that nobody and nothing is going to move you from serving the Lord. You know, we talk about stubbornness a lot. Stubbornness. If you deal with teenagers, you know what stubbornness is. Hey, if you deal with Baptists, you know what stubbornness is. We're all stubborn. Care who you are. Uh, you hear people say sometimes, well, 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 he thinks he's right all the time. You ever heard someone say that? Well, duh. How stupid would it be to know you're wrong and continue down that path? Now, to say you think you know everything, that's one thing. But we all think we're right all the time. Or else we wouldn't believe or do the things that we do. True humility is acknowledging that, hey, we could be wrong. You see, every one of us, we're stubborn sometimes. I'm stubborn. My little boy, he's stubborn. Last night, me and him had it out. Amen? I, no, I, I, I promise you, I'm not making this up. This don't just sound good in the sermon. Me and him, we had it out last night. And uh, he had to say he's sorry before he got down to play. He had to say it. You say, oh, he can't say that. Sure he can. I've heard him say it. He's able. If he, if he didn't know how to say it, he wouldn't fight so hard when he's got to say it. Amen. Somebody say amen right there. And me and him, I, I held him in my arms. I said, you're not getting down till you apologize. And that little boy just screamed and kicked and fought till he finally fell asleep in my arms and still never said he was sorry. <laughs> say, oh, he's so sweet. Well, let me just call you sometime. When it's the right time, we'll talk about that. I'll let you talk to him while he's you ever heard a child cry so hard it didn't sound human anymore? You know? We're all stubborn. But let me tell you something, young people. While you got the whole world telling you how it's not good to be stubborn, let this preacher say this. There's some things it's good to be stubborn on. It's good to be stubborn on. Just like rebellion. Everybody says, don't be rebellious. Well, sure, you can be rebellious. Just be rebellious against the, the wrong things. Be, make up your mind that you don't care what the world tells you. You're going to live for God. That's all right. And that's rebellion. You say, how do you know that? Because the majority's not doing that. Go ahead and rebel against what the world tells you you have to be. And be stubborn about it. Be stubborn. Dig in and make up your mind. Nobody's going to move you from serving God. Nobody. You're going to do what you can, while you can, for as long as you can. No matter who it upsets, no matter who it makes mad, you're going to serve God. To be unmovable. But then he says this. I, I like this. He says, always abounding in the fruit of the Lord. Is that what it says? No. No. I'm glad it didn't say that. Because if it said that, there'd be times I'd get really, really discouraged. It doesn't say always abounding in the fruit of the Lord. You know, we, got a real, we, get, things, we get things turned around sometimes. You know what the Lord said? They came to Him. He was witnessing to a woman, a lost woman by a well side. And He was witnessing to this woman. His disciples, they got real worried for Him. You know how folks get... Folks, when they get worried, they get real carnal, you know. And they got real worried for him. And they said, Lord, you've not eaten anything. You need to stop dealing with this person. You need, you need to eat something. You need to sit down. You know what he said? He said, my meat is to do the will of him that sent me and to finish his work. He didn't say this, my meat is to see lots of folks saved. It's not what he said. He didn't say, my meat is to see myself crowned upon the, the throne of... Jerusalem. That's not what he said. 
He said, my meat is to do the will of Him that sent me. Let me tell you something. If you make it your goal to serve God, then you and you alone get to decide whether you accomplish that goal or not. If you think it's your responsibility to win the whole world to Jesus, you're going to feel pretty discouraged sometimes. If you think it's your job to fix everybody's problems, you're going to feel pretty discouraged sometimes. I like what Raquel said. I I don't know if she's trying to be funny or not. I like her humor. Sometimes you don't know whether she's trying or not. You know, that's how people are that are really funny. But, uh, you know, I I liked what she said. She said, "I, I came up with no expectations, and it wasn't what I expected. Did you notice that? I like that. That's smart. That's the key to happiness right there. Expect nothing, because you'll always get something. Amen? (laughs) You know what your expectation ought to be? You know what your goal ought to be? To serve God. Your expectation is always to succeed in the world's eyes, or even in other preachers' or other ministries' eyes, you're going to feel pretty discouraged a lot of times. He doesn't say, always abounding in the fruit of the Lord. He says, always abounding in the work of the Lord. Make up your mind to always stay busy serving Jesus Christ. You can't decide. You can't decide when fruit will come. But you can decide to stick in and serve God. You can't, make, you can't decide when you're always abounding in the fruit of the Lord. But you can decide when you're always abounding in the work of the Lord. So he talks about the resolve that we need to have. And then finally, I'm just going to touch on this in close. We see the reason for our service and the resolve of our service, but I want you to notice the result of our service. Or we, we could even maybe say this, the recognition of our service. You ever get discouraged because you don't get recognized? I do sometimes. I'm, listen, I'm honest enough to admit that I'm carnal enough that that happens to me. You know, sometimes you can tell folks, we was talking about it this morning, uh, you know, a little bit in the preaching about Facebook and kind of the paradigm of Facebook. People get on Facebook and say, I don't care what anybody thinks. You know, which that makes a lot of sense. You're going to put it on Facebook because you don't care what anyone thinks, right? It's funny to me, people that are doing something just for the Lord that always slide it into a prayer request or a word of testimony. You ever notice that? Come on now, it's okay. You know what I'm talking about. You know the things I'm talking about. Folks, they don't want anybody to know the things they do for the Lord. But by the way, let me just mention a few of them. That's human nature to do that. It's human nature. And we are prone to seek recognition and to seek to please people. And the praise of man is a dangerous trap. What does Paul say? He says, For as much as ye know that your labor is not in vain in the Lord. You know what he's saying? He's saying this. Number one, it counts. And number two, it's seen. Number one, it counts. You know what that means. It's not in vain. You know what vanity? It's empty, meaningless, senseless. And Paul says this, your labor, no matter what it brings in this life, it's worth something in eternity. Boy, let me just encourage you camp workers, because it encourages me. I mean, praise God that we get to see the fruit of our labor. You know? Praise God for that. But there's times that there's things we do that nobody sees. Nobody recognizes. Nobody claps for it. What, are we just going to quit? Not if we're always abounding in the work of the Lord. We're not. We're going to keep on going. You know why? Because our labor is not in vain in the Lord. Because He sees it. He keeps a record. He keeps a watch. If you serve God just for people's praise, you won't serve very long. If you serve God just to see fruit from it, you won't serve very long. 
I don't care who you are. We all have periods of time we go through where it just feels like heaven shuts closed and it feels like the blessings of God seem to, to stop to flow. We all have those times in our life. Are you going to quit serving God then? Young people, it's easy right now. It's easy right now. You ain't even, you still smell like camp. Amen? I know you went and took a shower, but it don't wash off that easy. It's easy to serve God now. What about six weeks from now? You still going to serve God? You still going to be steadfast, unmovable? Those commitments and promises that you all made, are they still going to be real six weeks from now? Six months from now? A year from now? It's up to you. It's your choice. You say, well, my, my family, or well, you know, my situation. No, no, no. Stop with the excuses. The world won't make excuses for you, so don't make excuses for yourself. The question is, is it real? Are you going to stick in? Are you going to do it? It's your choice. Don't say somebody else. No, it's your choice. What are you going to do? See, Paul didn't say pray that you're always abounding in the work of the Lord. He just said to always be abounding in the work of the Lord. There's a lot of stuff that we pray about that God's already told us the answer to. You don't have to pray about whether to be faithful. We know we ought to be faithful. We ought to be faithful. And what about us adults? What about us? Are we as faithful as we can be? It's easy sometimes because we don't even have to make excuses. We're just adults and nobody asks questions. What about us? Are we as faithful? Let me ask you something before... Oh, boy. I told you I've been preaching to kids all week. You've got to give me a little grace. You, gotta give me, you, you might have to give me a whole bucket of grace because I've been preaching to young people all week. They abide more than adults do. Let me tell you something. There's young people that they let me preach to them in a way that some of you would have walked out over. That's true. Let me ask you something. While you get so judgmental about these kids and their quote-unquote camp religion, what about you? You serving God this year like you were last year? You serving God? You doing the things for Him? Or have you stepped back a little? Let me ask you something. Where does it ever say that we get to a place where we quit serving God? You know what the Bible says about faithfulness? Particularly faithfulness to the Lord's house. You know what, you know what Paul said? He said, and, and, and so much the more as you see the day approaching. The closer we get to Jesus coming back, the more we ought to be serving God. What about us? Let's put ourselves under the microscope. And everybody under the sound of my voice, I wonder tonight if we could say, I'm more faithful to God today than I was a year ago, six months ago. Or maybe we'd have to say this, Lord, I've not been faithful to you. Would you forgive me and help me to be faithful from this day forward? Don't listen. Don't turn the past. What is a signpost? Don't make it a hitching post. Because you make it a hitching post and pretty soon it will be a tombstone. Don't, don't get caught up regretting the past. Make your mind up that from the present on you're going to be faithful and you're going to serve the Lord Jesus Christ.